Okay. I told you TC was going to be on. No, yes, no, I you did. didn't. Yes, no, did. you didn't. I will find oh, that. No. I will find that chat and I will screenshot it. It was, it was kind of a laugh. You do, sir, but you'll find nothing. <laughs> Pete was like, "Oh man, we can't get uh, we can't get Lauren." I was like, "Okay, fine. TC will do." I guess TC will be fine. I guess. Well, um, now that Sarah really laid out the welcome mat. What's up, TC? What's up? <laughs> Movies, TV, Blu-rays. If somehow you've consumed it on the screen with your eyes, then you'll hear it on Scene and Nerd. Here are the hosts of Scene and Nerd, Casey, Pete, and Matt, with a little help from Casey Franco. And third year too. Proudly brought to you by GWW Radio. Welcome to Scene and Nerd. Uh, well, it's it's been a week, but we're back, and just in time for all the awesome television that has come back our way. I know we're really excited to talk about it, so uh, let's just get into introductions. I'm your host, Pacey Pete. Alongside always is Mr. I'm Salty. Oh, that's me. Hello. That's you, Matt. <laughs> You're such a dork. Um, and Miss Sarah Belmont. For better or for worse, you guys, I am here for better or for worse. Oh my goodness! <laughs> no, okay. What? <laughs> what? 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 Why? You had Why to quote, ruin my fun. You had to jerk? quote Arrow, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you, you yeah. Know for better or worse. <laughs> before, actually, before we jump into that, you know, I was gonna say, did anyone catch a line they said in Legends of Tomorrow that was similar to a line in Arrow? Yeah. Okay. Was it? It's all my fault. No, <laughs> no, <laughs> no, <laughs> no. But but I mean that could pretty much go for anybody. Um, all right. So coming back to us, uh, if you have been listening a long time, uh, which actually hasn't been that long, but at the end of the first year of our podcast, we had like a little roundtable, and joining us then and joining us now is Mister. TC from the Epic Comic Cast. What's up, TC? Hey, what's up, man? Dude, no one's going to remember me from one episode like years ago. <laughs> you know, it might refresh some people's memory. You never know. You never know. No, um, but I'm honored to be on again. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, man. Glad you can make it. I know you're a huge, uh, a huge DC. Uh, well, you're just a huge comic book fan in general. So, um, yeah, I, I, I love your guys' show too. You guys rock over there. If you, if, if you haven't checked them out. I don't know what you're doing. You need to check out Epic Comic Cast. They uh, they do some pretty uh, some awesome stuff over there with uh, TC and Karina. So, uh, welcome to the show. Welcome back to the show, TC. Well, thank you, man. Appreciate it. <clears throat> All right, so we're doing things a little differently today, um, primarily because there's so much television that I want to I want to make sure we get to as much as we possibly can. So uh, we're gonna quickly get to redactions. And Matt, you said we don't have much today, right? No redactions this week, guys. We're uh, number one uh, everywhere. That's not true. Uh, <laughs> the only thing I just wanted to say, sorry about the lack of an episode last week. Uh, we'll try to get something up as like a bonus episode. It seems like you guys really like the Star Wars one that we did. So um, maybe we'll try to do another one soon. So stay tuned. Yeah, it should be a lot of fun. And uh, yeah, be sure to check out. I'm sure if you if you finally saw Star Wars, if you've seen it for the 10th time, uh, we did a couple episodes rec- uh, recapping it. So go check that out. All right, so we're going to jump right into TV Talk. Like I said, we're doing things differently. Um, oh, wait, wait. I wanted to talk to some, something I just learned about just a few hours ago. I, I apologize. We're going to take that back real quick. Um, some news dropped, uh, like I said, a few hours ago about Batman v Superman. 
And it's something I'd heard about a while back, but I didn't even know if it was confirmed or not. It just seemed kind of odd that this person uh, would be filming when she's busy on another series. And that's Miss Lauren Cohan. She has been confirmed as Martha Kent in Batman v Superman. So <laughs> what? for those of you Crazy. Walking Dead fans, <laughs> J- uh, Jeffrey Dean Morgan is Thomas Wayne and Lauren mm-hmm. Cohan is Martha is, is, is Martha Wayne. So uh, I, I don't really need to spell the irony out there uh, for you if, if, if you know where I'm getting at. Um, it's got to be in a flashback scene, though, right? Because uh, yeah, well, I yeah, think she got old makeup on. I think in the <laughs> very <laughs> first because Ben Wait. Affleck was looking old. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, in um, I think she in one of the early makeup. trailers, there was a shot of Jeffrey Dean Morgan in the famous scene where the parents get killed. So I'm, I'm right. assuming it's going to be it. So yeah, right. But uh, I, I, what do you guys? Any any quick thoughts on uh, uh Martha Wayne uh. Or Lauren, Co- Lauren Cohan as uh, Martha Wayne TC. Why don't you uh, kick us off? Um, I don't watch too much of Walking Dead, but the small bits that I have seen her in, I think she's good. I think she's a good actress. Um, and like you said, I don't, I don't foresee see her having a huge role. So um, yeah, I'm fine with it. Cool, uh, Sarah. Um, that's cool. I guess hashtag all connected, right? <laughs> right? Yeah. Okay, that's pretty much it. <laughs> Matt, I know you. I know you know what, what the um, irony I was speaking of. Wait, no, I actually didn't. It went right over my head. What Matt, was you've it? read the comic books. <laughs> I'm disappointed in you. Wait. Oh, I thought you. <laughs> oh, I mean, I, I guess that makes sense, but whatever. I, I didn't even think about it, Pete. So I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm alone um, on this island. Apparently. No, I understood it. I understood it. Someone's me. yelling at me right Thank now. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you. But uh, yeah, Lauren Cohan's cool. Um, that new movie she's in, The Boy, looks awful. So I don't know. Maybe she just collected her paycheck. But um, yeah, I like her on The Walking Dead. If you're fans of The Walking Dead, I mean, it's going to be in for like maybe five minutes at the most. But it'd be cool seeing her on screen. You know, I don't think she's done a lot of movies, at least that I could think of. Um, the only shows I know that she's from, well, that I remember is from The Walking Dead or Chuck, which is an NBC show a couple years ago. So. Um, maybe she's just trying to do more movies and just get her face out there and stuff like that. So I'm excited. Quite possibly. That's a yeah, good point. Um, okay. Well, I just wanted to talk about that real quick. I just thought it was kind of funny that, you know, Jeffrey D. Morgan's going to be Negan going into the second mm-hmm. half of the season. And, uh, right. yeah, yeah. I'll just, I'll just leave it at that. Um, spoiler alert. Um, all right. So we're going to get into TV talk now because there was a ton of TV talk, but we're going to kick things off. With the Flash, um, now I'll I'll be the first one to say that uh, I thought it was a little underwhelming, um, and I might be I might actually be uh, nice saying that because uh, it was very underwhelming. Um, yeah, just it was for a mid-season premiere. I didn't think there was a whole lot going on. I don't think I didn't feel like we learned a whole lot new. I felt like there was just mm, it just it didn't have me the way that season one season mid-season premiere. Uh, had me you know when you had the whole reverse flash thing going i just zoom really isn't having the presence that i thought he would when they first introduced him this season um tc what did you think of uh of the premiere uh mid-season premiere i sort of felt the same way you did um i i think it was more of like a a wally and joe episode where you know how wally skipped out on their dinner yeah. And then you have uh, Joe upset, and at the end we find out Wally's pulling like a Fast and Furious on us, or 
It's basically <laughs> this, the same cliche story where, like, even in Fantastic Four, did you guys watch the new Fantastic Four with uh, Michael B. Jordan? No, I did but, not. Yeah. No. no, I did not. Well, him as like Johnny, um, Johnny Johnny Storm. Storm. Yeah, he does the same thing. Like he, the his wild side is him like drag racing cars. I was like, oh, not again! Like another kid who <laughs> is like he has that side to him where he's like mischievous by like drag racing. He's even got the Nas in the episode, so they they kind of centered it around Wally and Joe. But um, and then another theme dr- throughout this episode was Patty and how Barry was gonna like try. And actually tell her that, hey, you know, I'm the Flash. And, you know, I just find characters who are, like, left out in the dark annoying. Like, uh, season one, I hated Iris the whole season because I just felt like she was just nagging all the time. She was just, like, in the way. And when Barry actually mm-hmm. finally told Iris, I was like, wow, like, I I just, I, her, her character completely changed for me. I was like, wow, Iris is kind of cool now. So I think they're doing the same thing with Patty. He's eventually going to tell her. Or didn't she say she was going to leave at the end of the episode or something yeah, like that? Yeah, she's uh, she got accepted to a school and that she had uh, a forensic uh, to do forensics and she kind of she got accepted actually like a couple years ago but she's kind of held off on doing it but it seems like everything that's happening with Barry and everything she's going through um on the force it's it's kind of pushed her away yeah. yeah so the episode like i said it didn't really wow me um i thought it was so so just like you Pete yeah it just it just really was um you know you talked about uh Wally and Joe um and you know, I don't know about you guys, but but Wally's kind of coming off like a jerk to me. Um, I get that their situation is kind of messed up because of what happened with Joe and um, uh, Mama West. Uh, but um, I also think that he's putting—I don't know—maybe it's me. I feel like he's putting too much blame on Joe, whereas Joe's really trying to connect and form a relationships. And Wally's almost like checked out. I almost felt like it, if you look back to. Um, the the uh, mid season uh, the cliffhanger uh, when they first introduce Wally, it almost feels like there's like some sense of hope that Joe's gonna have the son that he never knew he had, but then I feel like it's all it's all like thrown out the window because of the way Wally treats Joe. Uh, Sarah, what do you think of of their relationship and and do you think that it will improve over time? Well, yeah, it's gonna improve over time. It wasn't the best introduction at all to Wally West. <laughs> Um, I mean, Joe's one of the most beloved characters on the show, and you want to introduce this other character who's probably going to be around for possibly the rest of the series, and he pisses off this character who you love almost like, (laughs) you're like, I want Joe to be my dad, too. (laughs) He needs to adopt me. So, not, not the most graceful introduction is really what I'm trying to say. That being said... So he he is justified for some of the stuff. What I don't understand is really why why even try to or introduce himself to Iris and Joe if he's just there in town to race cars. Like you don't have to do that. Yeah. They they would have had no clue. So that was kind of a little lack of motivation and do you think they not rushed, the best writing. Do you think they rushed his character maybe like the way they're handling all this? Um, I don't know. I don't know if I would describe it as rush, uh, so much as they. I don't. I don't know. 
Why did you ask me the Wally question? <laughs> <laughs> I will gladly like, jump in if that's okay. Sarah. Okay, thank you. I don't care. <laughs> this my, my half of my notes for this episode was how much I just completely do not like Wally West's character, um, and I don't know what he's doing in the show. Call me blind to or like you know ignorant of what's going on for the rest of the season, but I don't know what the hell he's doing in this show. Um, they needed maybe like some type of family drama to you know keep the balance between um, like grounded characters and like sci-fi elements. But introducing another character that's like how Sarah said, presumably here for the rest of the series, like how like you have to make him so like unlikable for us to like him later. Like I don't understand why they did that. He showed up on Christmas Day or whatever, the Christmas party. And he's all like, puppy dog eyes, will you please invite me inside for some cocoa and cookies, please? Dad, long lost dad. And then now he's like, oh yeah, he's quite the detective. Apparently he's not very good because never really had a dad. Like, he's taking like, cheap shots at Joe. I was like, Right. Geez. And I'm like, if that's how you're going to like approach the relationship with that, then why did you even knock on his door? Mm-hmm. If you don't need him and his money or whatever, his, his help, if you don't need Joe's help you know, with your mom, then... Why did you knock on the door, like in you know in the, in the first place? And um, I really feel like they're just somehow shoehorning him because like of his name, and they're like, okay, we needed a character later that somehow needs to move this plot element that we're not going to tell the audience yet. Let's just pick a name that everybody knows, Wally West, and let's shoehorn this whole family drama stuff into it to keep them satisfied until we reveal his true plot, you know, um, integration or whatever. And it's super lame because um, it's really distracting from the rest of the episode. The reason why I didn't like this episode and was because of that was Wally's like introduction. I'm like, who are you? Why are you here? Poor man's Vin Diesel. Um, <laughs> like, yeah, poor man's Michael B. Jordan. Like, why are you here? And it's it's not a knock on his performances either because he totally nailed it. If he like if they writ- wrote him as a scumbag, he totally came off as a scumbag. So, um, and they kept. Referring to him as, like, his son, his kid, this and that. And if he's supposed to be a kid, then he's really doing a good job. It's just, I I don't understand what he's doing, what his purpose is in the show. Like, what is, how is he moving this show forward or something like that? You know, and it really distracted me from, like, the rest of the episode, which isn't really that much, which is the whole Patty stuff, which sucks because I'm, you know, Team Spivit, hooray. But, like, I think, it left such a bad taste in my mouth that I'm I'm starting from negative 100 on his, on the Wally West scale instead of zero. Yeah, like his reasons for not because isn't there. Even we have the sun. Yeah. Like it just doesn't make any sense. Yeah. That, and all that, that was yeah. talked about. You know, priest, like you know, you didn't know each other existed, but now we're here. And, he wasn't just some and, absent father who like knew yeah. he had a kid and just Left, you know, yeah. neglected. So, like the reasons behind him being a jerk, you know, just not really there. Yeah, like, I think if, if you guys remember, like, back when it was first revealed that he had a son, I was told him, and just the look of, of, of shock on Joe's face, it just, it, it brought a whole another emotional element to that, and I feel like that's completely washed away, because Joe wants to have a relationship with Wally, and Wally's just like, well, you were never around, Well, Joe's like, well, I didn't even know you were around, so, um, yeah, so that was kind of frustrating to watch, but... They had that, if I can just, like, make one quick point, Pete, sorry, um... Like, they had that moment at the end where, like, you know what? If I promise to not 
try so hard, Joe's like saying, try so hard to be your dad. And if you try hard not to be a dick, which is essentially what he said, um, then, you know, we're, we're good. How about we agree to that? Like, I understand that. I think they wanted Joe's character because they even made an like um a me- like I forgot who mentioned it, but they said uh, Joe was anxious or something. Rings hands, like he was nervous about the dinner. Mm-hmm. I think they wanted to convey that Joe was like trying really hard to fold him into the family, but Wally wasn't ready for that. If they only set that up earlier in the episode with just like one line of dialogue, that would have like completely been at least okay, not distracting at all. But the fact that they, the first scene with them together is him walking in, and then Wally's first line of dialogue is, well, I guess he's not a great detective. I'm like, where is this coming from? Yeah, so yeah. I think was... if they just set it up a little better, at least it would have been okay, you know? Yeah, they, they yeah, that, that's a good point. But that did that line did kind of come out of left field. You're just like, what? So, but you know, in the midst of all this, you talked about, you know, it it it, it kind of pushed away the storyline with Patty and and Barry and. And what's going on with them? You know, the show started with with Barry having a dream that Zoom uh, kidnaps uh, Patty and kills her. Uh, TC, what did you think of uh, of that opening? And and you know, were you expecting more after that dream, or is it one of those things where uh, you're just going to kind of wait as things go on uh, along the season? Um, I think it just kind of it was a plot plot device for like Barry to realize that hey, um, you know, Patty's really special to me and. In order to her save, you know, he wants her as far away from all this stuff as possible. And he actually, you know, he was going to tell her in this episode. And I think it was Dr. Wells who was like, no, at the last minute, he was like, no, don't tell her. And then he was speaking with experience because Zoom has his daughter at the moment. So um, I, at first, the nightmare thing caught me. I thought it was real, right? <laughs> so, yeah, yeah when it, it like- I think, yeah, when he actually like threw her off the building, I was like, oh, this has to be a dream. But um yeah I like yeah. how it opened. Um I just you know is 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 Patty the only one in their little circle that doesn't know that Barry is a flash? Like is she the only one in the dark? I mean I if you so. if you count think... um the commissioner or whatever his name is Joe's yeah. boss. And I'm, yeah, yeah, I think Barry should have just told her a long time ago. And, I, and this is for any uh, any type of superhero show where they try to withhold information from somebody who's so close to, to him. It's his freaking girlfriend. I mean, just mm-hmm. tell her, you know, tell her who you are, and then uh, that way she can like work with you rather than you know getting in the way or um, adding extra worry to your life. So yeah. I, uh... Sarah, are you? What is your thoughts on on the storyline? Do you think it's? Do you think this is something that's going to get resolved, or do you think Patty's just going to be a character that Barry thought of maybe he could, could he could be with, but but you know eventually just kind of starts going back to Iris. <laughs> it's funny you you preface the question like did it get resolved, and so and me watching the episode, I'm like, well, Patty's gone, okay. <laughs> So it just it felt very similar to how they handled the Barry Linda Park romance last season that threw everybody off, too, which it just you knew it wasn't going to work out. And then it was just there for three episodes, three or four episodes. It was very short and short lived. And so you didn't waste too much time investing into it. So whatever emotion you're supposed to feel when they break apart you're not really there. It's not there. So it's not as big of an emotional impact on you. And there's no stakes attached to it. 
So, so that's kind of how I view this whole Patty suddenly leaving, which they gave no hint to. And sometimes that's all right to do to surprise the audience. But to me, it feels like they need to remove her because they really are going to start focusing more on like Iris and Caitlin and their stories because this first half of the season has been so stuffed with characters. And introducing new characters. Maybe that's why this episode fell so flat for a lot of us. Because it's just another episode where we're introduced to a new character. And we have to focus on them rather than continue Barry's story. So. Yeah. No, that's a good point. I mean, it it really does feel like it's stuff with characters. Especially at the end when we got introduced to Wally. Then we got a whole another yeah. arc we got to, to deal with. And, and wonder how is it going to all tie in to the rest of the show right you know uh we and then the villain this week uh the turtle who brought his you know turtle power um <laughs> to the show yeah i just had to throw it well played Pete. Thought, well played. <laughs> I thought you guys would appreciate that um what did you guys think of the villain matt what did you did i mean i i don't know you know i've read some comic books but i've never heard of the turtle in the flash yeah. comics is what did you think of this villain and 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 how well, actually, let's just talk about the villain. What did you think of the villain? I didn't really, uh, well, like you, Pete, I don't really know too much of the backstory of, like, the um, the Flash's, like, um, uh, villains, but uh, I thought it was pretty cool. He's more of, like, an anti-Flash rather than a reverse Flash, you know? Like, he makes things slower. Um, I was really interested when I when we saw his powers. I like how, first of all, the visuals in this episode are really fun, um, especially with uh, the, the turtle's powers. Of like having like a kind of a bubble around him that kind of slows everything down. Um, I thought that was really cool. Um, I was just very sad to see that they didn't really get too creative with how to take him down. You know, it's yeah. like typical flashes. Okay, just run faster and then like you'll you'll beat him. You know, and then this uh, this season they're like, okay, you gotta you have these different you know uh, powers that you have like the speed mirages and you have the arc lightning bolt kind of thing. Um, and this one Barry just kind of needed a running start, and I was like, are you serious? That's how you that's <laughs> it? Like, come on, dudes! Like, I don't know. I I didn't I don't know how they would have improved on that. I don't have a suggestion on how to do it, so maybe I'm part of the problem too. But I think they could have been a little more creative on how to take him down than just run outside for a little bit and then punch him in the face. I did like the villain, though. He's super creepy um, in the fact that he collects mm-hmm. things and um, like he put his wife in like a case. I was like, whoa, that took a really dark turn really fast. I thought he's just a guy who likes history and he likes to keep things like um, frozen in time, you know, which is kind of matching to his powers. But... Um, yeah, the whole thing where he wanted to, like, kill Patty and then just keep her locked in, like, suspension or whatever in a glass case was like, oh, that's <laughs> that's pretty dark. I'm not expecting that. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was, it was definitely a different villain. Something, you know, it, I do agree that it was, like, he was definitely the anti-Flash in that, uh, in that uh, regard. Uh, TC, did you like the villain this week? Yeah, I liked him. Um, in terms of what he was wearing, he was wearing like the perfect jacket that looked like a turtle shell. If you realize that, it was like yeah. green and it just looked like a turtle. Um, but yeah, I thought it was kind of weak how Barry kind of defeated him. I guess he was timing his impulses or the way the turtle was like, you know, releasing his power. The, the Flash had to like time it so that he'd be able to jump through each one. 
Um, he kind of didn't, if you think about it. He was just running progressively faster through each one. Yeah. It wasn't really stopping didn't really starting. Do, yeah, yeah. They didn't do a good job of, you know, truly explaining it. But, yeah, I, I also thought he was creepy, too, in the way he would collect things. And also, you know, instead of, um, you know, being like a speedster, he would slow things down. And then, you know, people could actually see him, like, kind of, like, teleport while he was, like, taking their stuff. So I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. I thought that was pretty cool, too. Now, um, at the end of the episode, they they we see the return of uh, Eobarthan, uh, Reverse Flash. Um, Sarah, uh, how do you feel about them bringing back this character who we thought shouldn't even exist at all now after what happened at the end of last season? Well, the best part of this episode was that ending scene, <laughs> for me at least. Or you could even see the be- say the best part of the episode was the promo for next week. Because it blew my mind. <laughs> and I'm just like, why couldn't this have been the mid-season premiere? It's it's epic, it feels. But, yeah, time travel. Like, finally, we're back to that and the, the complex nature of what it means when you change something in time. And all of this multi... Um, multiverse that they're building this season so i'm so excited and i have no explanation for how or why this is happening again but in the promo they they did say that this is how it begins almost like this is how eobard learns about barry and where like almost the origin of the feud i want to say but that was just in the promo, so I don't know. I could be reading too into it. I don't know. Yeah, it's it's definitely going to be fun to watch. Uh, hopefully, this is hopefully this will be the spark that the sh- that the series needs to uh, finish off the second half of the season. Now, talking about going back in time, we're going to quickly do that with uh, a little talk about Agent Carter. Uh, that came back this week. Uh, huge two-hour premiere. Um, Man, they really the 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 networks and the uh, DC Marvel really went at it on Tuesday night. You know, you had the Flash, and then you had you know the thirty minute DC, uh, Legends of Tomorrow preview, then you had the DC uh, Donna Justice pre- preview, and then you on ABC you had the two hour uh, Agent Carter, and then on top of that there was a Captain America special. So uh, they they were certainly going at it for ratings on uh, Tuesday night, but. Um, Matt, you said you got a chance to watch the first hour of Agent Carter. What did you think of the show? Uh, what were your thoughts? I know it kicked off pretty well with uh, Dottie and and, uh, and and Peggy going at it. What did you think of that? Well, um, I was uh, misinformed, I guess. Well, not misinformed. I just didn't know that there was two hours. So, um, Speaking on the first half of, this, of, of the special uh, season premiere, it was, uh, it was super fun. I liked it a lot. I kind of forgot why I liked Agent Carter so much, and then you watch the first five minutes of it, and it's so great. Um, uh, you see, you know, the the hat amongst all the gray suits and, and everything, and you're falling. It's like, oh, yeah, this is totally, you know, we're back, season two. And then it's Dottie in an outfit. looks just like hers. And I was like, oh, crap. I was not expecting that. <laughs> and um, the reveal for all the characters was super fun. I was like, oh, is Agent Carter is Peggy gonna have just a radio and she's like we gotta go to the bank now let's take them down fellow agents and uh it was not she was like in the vault waiting the whole time and then they had the Mexican standoff in the bank it was uh it was it was pretty cool I was like oh man I can't wait for more of these crazy 
gunslinging hijinks with fedoras. It's going to be great. And um, what I was really impressed by were, um, like, it, it's always great seeing, like, um, all, like, the supernatural, or not supernatural, like, the sci-fi kind of stuff going on with the um, the frozen lake and the person um, who's, like, frozen. And, and if you touch them, you get, you know, frozen also and stuff like that. But I think the coolest scenes were all the interrogation scenes w- with Dottie and um, the first one with uh, Peggy and Dottie and how um, you really see them as, like, really strong women that are really equals, you know what I'm saying? Like, they're both deadly, sharp-witted. They're in, in each other's heads, obviously. And then uh, I, I love the the line that was kind of, like, the rhythm for the first uh, hour was, um, we're not afraid of you, or I'm not afraid of you. And uh, she said that twice, I think, in the interrogation scene. And um, with Donnie, so she took off the cuffs, and then they just started talking, couldn't get really through with her. And then when... Um, I forgot his name, uh, Chad Michael Murray's character, the the police, Jack, Jack, yeah. When he went in, he tried to do the same thing, super tough guy, and Dottie just, like, <laughs> threw a table to his throat, and I was like, oh, snap, this is exactly what I wanted to happen, because he's such a scumbag. Um, and uh, I was I was really happy to see that um, Dottie wasn't just, like, um, like, just yelling or whatever. She was very, like, she was just in control in the room, um, which was... Uh, pretty great and then uh, but the that first half i was a little confused by the pacing of it um and that like i guess all of a sudden they're on the west coast they have a new branch i think is that what they said yeah yeah there's a, a branch of the ssr that's now in la in holly in yeah Hollywood. yeah so um that's cool they're all like talking about california and how people surf and stuff <laughs> like that and i'm like oh yeah they we totally don't uh and, but it's, i mean it's la everyone kind of i'm sure surfs yeah. down there i'm not sure but anyway uh i think the 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 reason why i enjoyed it so much is because um i really enjoyed the time period that it takes place in i was more looking at all the costumes than really pay attention to the storyline to be honest with you because everyone looked great all those cool suits and um um, especially at the horse track scene, everyone was all done up and stuff. And um, I think I'm not really sure what to expect for the rest of the season because I'm guessing it's all going to take place in L.A. And but they have this also parallel storyline with Red from that '70s show <laughs> in New York and how the FBI is getting more involved and how the SSR is getting slowly faded away or something like that. So. Um, I'm interested to see how they're going to jump back and forth between those two locations. Well, the thing about the that they go into a little bit in the second episode is um, you kind of start to see a little bit of the workings of uh, Hydra kind of oh, okay, okay. getting together. <laughs> um, so um, it's 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 obviously it's way obviously teased. Um, but you know you're starting to see a little bit of connection now to. Agents of Shield and uh, Doctor Strange, um, and and that's something they didn't do uh, in the first season. It was very much Agent Carter was very much on its own. Right. Um, right. The only really real tie-in was the first Captain America movie, which they kind of played with at the end of the of the uh, the season finale of, of the first season. But beyond that, there was really no connection to anything in the MCU. Well, now they are full-on connection to MCU with everything that happens in the first and second episode, especially the second episode. 
Um, Sarah, what did you think? Um, are, are you, uh, did, did you like the first season? And if you did, what are your expected expectations for uh, season two? Yeah, I really was surprised by season one, Agent Carter. I watched it late in the game, though. I'll be honest, I only binged it about a few months ago. Just because I knew with season two coming, we were going to cover it. So I'm like, okay, I'll watch it. And I, and I liked it. It, the way they handle feminism, um, themes in the show, I really appreciate and I respond well to. And I mean, you build up to the classic line, I know my worth. Mm -hmm. Oh, no, I know my value. Right? Yeah. So, which, and so that's just epic to me where I'm like, yeah, you earned that and you did it in a way that was elegant and graceful. And it was just such a great moment for Peggy and to wrap up the season on, on that final beat. And now we're in season two and season one is very much about how to act like a girl or like how society wants you to act like a woman in society and how you don't always want to because of other because of your own interests and you want to be your own person and you should be treated like a person. And now in season two, especially in the second episode where you see uh, Madame Mask get developed a little bit more and that tie in start you this season is going to be more about the way women look and the emphasis placed on females and how they look because of society and culture yeah that was yeah i definitely noticed that when uh there the uh, there's a character i can't remember her name but she's filming a scene and, and mm-hmm, it's very, right the director's very negative yeah. to her about her appearance and i and her age. And, and I think yeah. that's one of the reasons why they decided to take this season and place it in L.A. as opposed to keep it in New York. Because they knew they were going to go in that direction. Yeah. It's 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 different. I, I, I do like it, though. I, I think it's going to make things interesting uh, really moving forward. And, and, you know, like I mentioned, tying in... Agents, Agents of Shield and and Doctor Strange does make things a uh, bit more interesting, uh, but yeah, I I enjoyed the the uh, premiere of Agent Carter both episodes. To me, the, the the second episode to me seemed a little bit slower than the first one, but there was certainly a lot of story going into it. I won't spoil it because Matt uh, missed the second. No, half, please, please, so that's I, I, that's I, my bad. <laughs> like, let the listeners know what you guys think. <laughs> Well, I okay. Well, I'll just say this: I'm I, I felt bad for Peggy because it seemed like they were introducing a love interest who got sucked into the oh. same thing that took Simmons and Agents of Shield. But uh, I, but he's not. What's he's that? not dead. Like, do you think he's dead? No, no, okay. I know. No, okay. no, 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 no. I don't okay. think. No, 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 I don't think he's okay. dead. But I just thought it was kind of sad. Like you could tell it really had effect on, an effect on her for the brief moment she met this yeah. guy. Like they clicked quickly, and and and. Probably not someone she's clicked with since Steve Rogers. So, so I, I kind of felt what? bad for her in that aspect. That dang, like that. What like, about Silva? So, Silva, Agent Silva. No, um, Susa. Susa. No, he's 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 getting. Uh, yeah, but they st- but they I still know, have an emotional they, they connection. Are, they they are teasing that whole thing. Still. Okay, I got a question um, for you, Pete. Okay, uh, Susa's girlfriend do you think Mm -hmm. that there's more to her like do you think she potentially is working for the bad guys uh i I wouldn't be surprised uh i won't i I wouldn't be surprised i mean especially after we saw that crooked cop 
in the second episode get revealed as somebody who is working for somebody who we don't know yet. Yeah. So, um, uh, but yeah, I, 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 that's certainly not out of the realm of possibility. Um, but yeah, I, I, like I said, uh, I just wanted to end that talk on, yeah, I enjoyed it. You can tell we enjoyed it. Um, and, and I'm looking forward to the rest of the season. Uh, I really enjoyed the first season, Agent Carter. Um, and I'm excited to see, uh, where they take, uh, Peggy on this next, next adventure, uh, in her story. All right. So, uh, let's go ahead and jump back to the future and let's get to Arrow this week because Arrow had the mid season premiere. I was expecting from the flash. It was um, so good. It, it was, was so it was good. good. It was so good. I enjoyed it. I'm so now, excited. TC, you, TC, you've been quiet. So, so let me, let me get your thoughts first. What were your thoughts on, uh, Oliver kind of going hoodish? on his, uh, the way he was going about looking for Damien. <clears throat> um, I liked it. And like you guys all enjoyed the episode. I did too. Um, they're really, you know, teasing the whole Oliver going back to killing, even if it's just killing one person. And he, he really just went like, he was just filled with rage after Felicity had got shot. And, uh, you know, he was out for blood. Um, and I think it's really cool. The tone of the episode, I really liked how, you know, he was asking, you know, for, um, Lance to help him out in terms of, you know, kind of betraying whatever he had with Damien Dark at that point. And he was like, um, working with him and he was even telling him like, Hey, you're, you can't, you're not safe anymore. You can like chill at our bunker. And it was kind of like a, a line that he crossed there. Um, but I think that it, it'd be really cool to see him you know, abstain from killing Dark. I know he really wants to, but deep down, like, I, I don't, I don't think he's going to eventually do it. Um, but in terms of the episode in general, like, I liked it a lot. I thought, um, you know, Thea was really good in it. Um, and, you know, did you guys catch Felicity's opening line where she was like, uh, she says something, she said like a, like a sexually explicit joke about doctors poking at her or something like that. And she still, like, got awkward even though she's, like, on her deathbed. It was so cute. Yeah, she was like, um, I think uh, it was like, I've never been looking forward to something more, or I've never been looking, I never thought I'd say that I want a bunch of doctors, like, poking their sticks at me or something like that. But, uh, yeah, I I like... around inside me. That's what she said. Oh, man. Quick-witted Felicity, though. She was quick to correct herself. But, yeah, that was super awkward, everything. Yeah, that was almost like when she slipped that who Oliver was looking for in front of uh, her mom, Donna, which would have been really funny. Um, You know, Anarchy came back, too. Anarchy was a very interesting character in this episode because last time we saw him, Thea set him on fire. Oliver made sure he didn't die. But now he's scarred. However, he's not after Team Arrow. He's after Damien Dark for what happened to him. Uh, Sarah, what did you think of, of that whole dynamic with them still kind of going after each other, but still going after Dark? I thought it just added so much for or to the story. Like, in this episode, bringing in Anarchy after, I want to say, about seven episodes without seeing him at all, you, you forgot about him, but this story that they crafted between him and Thea and his, um, and her feeling guilty about what she did to him. And then him winning vengeance on dark, just 
and then how they used him in relationship to Oliver wanting vengeance vengeance on Dark just was just so mind-blowing and just kept you entertained so it didn't feel like this subplot took away from the episode in which Oliver is just just wants to kill Dark because of what happens to Felicity. It just added to it and allowed the moments where we weren't seeing either Oliver or Felicity make sense and contribute to what was going on because you have all of these emotional threads that bleed over into all of the character arcs. I mean, you even see it with Diggle and Andy, which is probably the first time in a while where I've appreciated that storyline because I really didn't like episode seven brotherhood. And then in, but in this episode, all of those emotional beats really hit home for me. And I understood more about their relationship, the guilt that Diggle has for where Andy is now because he's the one who told Andy to sign up for the military in the first place. And then the real clincher in that whole thing is there's a line where they parallel Dark's plan, his Genesis plan, with Malcolm Merlin's plan from season one. Like, that's just great, especially considering who Malcolm Merlin is now and where Damien Dark's origins are with the League. So, yeah, I've thought a lot about this, guys. That's just like a, two not- lines of her notes right there. <laughs> I haven't even talked yeah, actually- about Elicity yet. <laughs> Yeah, we'll get we'll definitely get there in just a bit. Um, Matt, do you have any thoughts on uh, Diggle's relationship with his brother and how that played out in this episode? It was uh, certainly an interesting one and and one that started off kind of rough and ended with uh, a couple guys playing cards. Yeah, I was uh, I was looking forward to see see how um, Diggle like has different approaches to you know talking to his brother and stuff like that. I really like the scene. I'm happy that they kept the scene in with. Um, with Lila and, and Diggle saying like, you have to be the man that I know you are. And, and you know, that's an order, you know? And it was like, I was like, oh, okay, she didn't, they didn't have to keep that in, but it was nice that they did because it was in service to this sub, 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 sub plot line of, no, uh, of Diggle and, and Andy. Matt, I'm just going to say they kept it in, not because it was in service of the plot of that subplot, but also because it, Diggle then, his next interaction with Oliver, he tells Oliver that he can't lose who Felicity fell in love with in getting his vengeance. Oh, okay. And yeah, it parallels that, that scene. Right. Sorry. Right. That makes sense. Oh, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I am, uh, I'm sorry I got it incorrect, Sarah. No, uh, you did. I just, I, uh, you guys, I've been I would like to out apologize to all the listeners. <laughs> this is a, uh, um, what's it called? A redaction from uh already from next week uh but yeah no good good catch i didn't think about that and um i guess what what i'm trying to say is uh they they focused on it like um a little bit more than i thought they were especially in the premiere um and i was really happy to see that it all kind of worked out in the end uh he's kind of he's slowly peeling back those those layers he's you know um and uh I really like Diggle in this episode. He, um, he's, you really see him go through like a range of emotions and stuff like that. And with frustrations with his brother and, um, just, uh, trying to get through to him and then just ultimately just being himself. And, um, I forgot. I'm looking through my notes. There was one line where I felt like he was kind of like the moral compass of, of the episode. Almost. He was saying all the right things at the right moments. And, uh, 
Yeah, I don't know if you want to go into theory spiral right now, Pete, of who's in the grave, but... Yes. Well, actually, that's my next point, is who is in the grave? Uh, I think we've all... I, I I think Sarah and I had a whole, like, chat for yep. two hours I was there. the next that day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> On who who is in the grave. And it was... Yeah, we just kind of were, were definitely theory, theory spiraling. But, TC, I want to start with you. With everything that we've seen now that we, you know, they they gave us more of the scene in at the grave site, uh, where Oliver goes to the limo and and we see that that you know Felicity is not in the grave; she's very very much alive. Uh, who are your thoughts as to who it could be on um, in in the grave? Ooh, man, um, you know I don't really have any like huge theories on that. Um, and to tell you the truth, I didn't watch the episode before this. I don't know if that gives like a, yeah. <laughs> so when the, when I, when I saw that Felicity got shot, I was like, oh man, like maybe I should go back and watch an episode prior. But, um, I'm pretty sure that kind of gives a, a huge clue as to who's in the grave. So no, am I, <laughs> did I miss like, everything in that, in the last episode? Well, no. Well, no, 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 you didn't miss. No, no, you're, you're, you're good. If, if yeah, you're pretty yeah. much up to speed. Um, but I think there, uh, there, uh, Sarah is ready to theory spiral like crazy Wait. right now. So this is this is gonna be fun. Um, <laughs> I know Matt was very upset after he watched Arrow because all I saw in our direct messages was nothing but caps <laughs> and f you to the writers <laughs> because it better not be John Diggle. Yeah, <laughs> that's what he said. Um, let me see if I can pull it up word for word. This was 100% uh, uncensored. I cover the kids' ears. Uh, where is it? I was so angry. I said, <clears throat> uh, I'm going to yell here because I don't want to look hella late on Twitter because I watched this like two days later. Uh, Diggle is in the damn grave. Fuck you, Arrow Riders. I don't want it to be true, but I'm convinced it is true. Um and both of you guys said, no, it's not Google. And I'm like, what? What? <laughs> you guys, you have to understand, like, for any deaths on television and any show, I have to follow the Walking Dead rules. If you become the moral compass for the group, you're just going to die. That's just what's going to happen. Cause we why, can't didn't have Felicity, why didn't Felicity die then? Well, that is true. Well, they can't have Felicity dead. I Well, I agree, but... I'm following your you rules, to, Matt. Why are you trying to put her in the grave? No. Uh, I don't know why that is. I just, I feel like I connected with Diggle so much in this character that I immediately was like, he's going to die. Just because I like him so much. Because that's what they do. That's what writers do on television these days. Your reaction was so good, though, Matt. I just had to put, LOL, nah. <laughs> he just said, nah. Like, <laughs> I know all the totally answers. Totally disregard. Nah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> No, because, and this is why, uh, Sarah, would you like to theory spiral? Well, (laughs) that's not even, okay. Um, but one of the reasons why I'm not completely sold on it being Diggle in the grave is because I, I, what, Oliver needs a male friend. I'm sorry. He's surrounded by women. (laughs) He needs a guy friend. So you can have those brother moments because they killed off Tommy in the first season so I don't I, I don't think that it's Diggle because of that reason and 
potentially there's more to do with his character depending on how the season goes. Now, Pete, Pete, you had a theory, and actually, no, you jumped off. You seriously want to call me no, out No, no, but you jumped on the theory oh. that Agastocles and I pitched to you way back in, I want to say, like, episode six, the Donna Smoke. That it's Donna. Yeah, I, I, I truly believe now that it's Mama Smoke. I believe she is. That as much um, as he believed Felicity was in the grave back in episode one. You know what? That was way back when, okay? There was no scene with Oliver going into a limo. Oh, there's Felicity. She's totally not dead. (laughs) Um, But yes, I did think that Felicity was dead. Hey, everyone did. I wasn't the only one. (laughs) Wait a second. um, I did not. (laughs) Okay, yes. You didn't think that. You didn't think that. You're biased, though. Yes, I am. Um, but no, I, I, I am, I, I'm so certain I, I'd put all my chips in right now to it being mama smoke. Um, and I say that because I I look at the reactions. I, I I know that everybody and myself included just kind of jumped on, like had a knee jerk reaction as to who it could be. I don't think people really paid attention to Oliver's reaction and Barry's reaction. When we first got that scene, to me, I always went back to Barry because if it's somebody super close to them, Barry knows who these people are. He would be affected as well. And he just kind of shows up and is really just there to support Oliver for that brief moment. It, he didn't come off as super emotional as he would if it was somebody on Team Arrow. Um, somebody close to Oliver. Uh, and so that's why I... And then after we see Oliver go back to the limo and we see... Uh, Felicity and her reaction to me that sold it even more you got to kill this son of a bitch that sold it for me because she she would be upset she would be crying if it was Laurel Laurel, uh, Diggle Thea she would be upset it would be a lot of of, it'd it'd be a lot more it it could be similar to that but I think it would be a lot more um, just uh, I'm completely losing my words here um Grief. It would be a lot more grief. There would be a lot. There more would tears. be a lot more but... tears than if it was her mom in the grave. Is that what you're trying to say? <laughs> no, no, no. Like I just, I think she's. I, what I saw is anger. I saw yes. pissed off. I saw, and, and to me that just screams her mom getting killed somehow because uh, Dark is going to go after, and we'll get into <laughs> who it could be. Also, it doesn't have to be Dark people it doesn't have to be damien dark um uh but but if it is damien dark he would go after maybe somebody that uh oliver and felicity care about it doesn't have to be felicity it doesn't have to be team arrow it could be somebody that they love and to me it doesn't scream much more than donna Mm -hmm. who really doesn't have much going on in the story but you know the effect she has the relationship she she has with felicity how um, how close they are. I mean, she would be devastated. And if somebody like Dark did it, of course she would react the way. Of course she would say, Oliver, go back to your hoodways. Kill him. Uh, because that's the only way we're going to stop him. Um, go back to Sarah, did you yes, to I do. I want to poke yes. holes in this theory right now. Yes. I okay, knew it. I knew guys. It. I did my research. <laughs> but... So on Tuesday, they released that sizzle reel for the next half of the season, and they opened the sizzle reel with a shot of Oliver by 
Thea's bedside, and she's on the brink of death again, and he's pleading her to stay with him. He's wearing the exact suit from the flash forward, which tells me that whatever happens that results in this death is an attack on the entire team, and multiple people are hurt, and multiple people are injured. And so that contributes to Felicity's anger, because she's also now physically limited, and she can't help protect her friends or whoever she cares about. And so she's wrestling with that for the next half of the season. So it just builds to that breaking point where she acts, she tells Oliver that you got to kill this son of a bitch, whoever that son of a bitch is. And also, Thea's constantly around Laurel these days. There's a, throughout this first, these, all these episodes, her and Laurel are constantly together saving each other, helping each other. So that's why the further we get into the season, the further I'm really questioning <laughs> if if it's not, and I don't think, I don't know if the writers would be as brave to do this because it's crazy talk, but if it's Laurel in the grave. Yeah. See, I just don't, I don't, I and I know we've had this talk already, Sarah, but... I just don't think it would be Laurel. I think part of that for me is just because I don't think she, I don't think they've given her enough, honestly, the writers to to do. I don't think, I think she's been there at times um, to help out certain things. I mean, more specifically when, when uh, Dark took Thea and Diggle and Felicity and put them in that chamber. Um, but I don't, I just, and then, and maybe that's me kind of wishing the writers would give her more to do. Yeah. I just don't think her death would be that at least that huge. And I only say that because of the way they have written her character and, and, and what she's done, because to me, she doesn't seem at least, like I say, this is the way the writers are, are, are portraying her. She's not that huge of a team member. I feel like, and that's because I feel like they've put her at a certain point. And I, and I think that if you kill someone like her character off, you don't get that emotional, uh, pull that you would from somebody like Diggle or or somebody like like Donna, um, mm, where it would have if, if I don't go ahead. It, you would get surprised though, and I think the writers really need whosoever death this needs this is. We need to be surprised and shocked by it. It definitely needs to be a what the fuck moment because you've been stretching it for the entire know, season. Would, and I, know, and, I mean Matt, would you? Matt, would you be shocked if Laurel died? I would be shocked, yeah, because there's too many politics involved She's with black her on the canary. show. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they've She's already one killed most... one black canary. Yeah. That's a, that's another point. Would they kill another black canary? They certainly so. can. <laughs> no, but would they? I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Would it, would it... That's why would that's it... why I, I don't pitched know. Would it make this... sense? That's why I pitched this theory because it's one of the Laurel to me, like since since they um, gave us the first flash forward way back in the first episode this season, her name is hardly ever mentioned when people talk about who's in the grave. And that's what what makes me think it's her that much more. Because you didn't see Tommy's death coming. You didn't see Moira's death coming. And you would never think it would be Laurel in the grave because she's finally Black Canary. And a lot of people... Well, not a, yeah. And there's, like Matt said, a lot of politics about this character. She's one of the most controversial ones on the show. 
So for them to do this, I mean, the only reason, uh, I'm not going to go into that, but I think you would get the shock shock value, especially with some of the spoilers I've heard regarding the second half of the season that I won't go into. <laughs> yeah. Um. TC, have we talked to your? Uh, I got oh, no, more no. to say though. <laughs> I'm loving it. I'm loving all these theories. I'll, I'll, I would throw something out there though. What about Lila, Diggle's wife, or was he at the grave? Ooh. You know, no, no, he wasn't. That's interesting. Wasn't. I didn't even. The think only about people might have not seen that we know of is uh, Oliver, Barry, and Felicity. Right. Felicity. Yep. That's so far. So, it's it's fair game, but. I feel, I don't know, maybe it's me, but I feel like we're starting to get down to the nitty gritty of who we really think it could be. Um, now, the other, now, if, if you haven't had a chance, go to the GWW.com and, and you'll read Sarah's uh, article, uh, her review of the episode, and, and even, you know, an, uh, an article before that. She does talk about spoilers and, and potentially people who could be, uh, I guess, it doesn't have to be Damien Dark that kills whoever's mm-hmm. in the grave. That's what I'm yeah. alluding to. Um, you know, we we uh, well, I'll let you know, Sarah. I'll let you pitch the series because you're the one who pitched. You're the one who pitched it to me about it not being Damian Dark and somebody that we would completely not think about. Malcolm Merlin. So the reason what's really got me thinking that potentially it could be Malcolm Merlin, and also something that I haven't mentioned in any articles I've written about Arrow season four is Stephen Amell back, I want to say December, November mentioned that he's in an upcoming episode. He's going to be facing off with another Wilson as in Slade Wilson, another descendant. I was like a little volleyball match. Wilson. Wilson. (laughs) Don't leave me. So there's that also that could come into play later this season and but i read an article where they were interviewing wendy markle miracle i don't know how to pronounce her last name i'm sorry i love you anyways (laughs) but and she mentioned that or or was it mark guggenheim i'm not sure i'm getting them confused they're all great one of the executive producers mentioned episode 15 they're gonna do something that they've never done with a villain in any of the seasons And so to me, that says they might neutralize Dark by episode 15. And then whoever takes the part in that, and the only person I could see who would benefit from that would be Malcolm Merlin because of all the assassins, League of Assassins, like law and mythos that they started way back in season three because he's supposed to kill his greatest enemy with... And Raza Ghul was trying to get Oliver to kill Damien Dark to begin with back in season three. So there's all of those threats. Yeah, guys, help me. <laughs> I'm drowning in this there's theory. So many, there's so many people involved. It's uh, <laughs> I can't even think about like the, the implications. It, it, uh, but, I, another Wilson would be bananas, man. Like, yeah. like how would they even try to do that? Well, when one of the things I remember you telling me, Sarah, was, you know, what if it's the guy on the island that, you know, oh. they, they keep messing with the island so much that we don't know how it's going to connect yet. yet. Um, we don't, you know, 
the, to me, it's still like I it's two, it's like two different two way different stories yeah. going on. But what if the guy who wants to kill Oliver on the island this whole time is the one that turns out to be this new Wilson and kills whoever's in the grave? Because like Sarah said, he always he's always saying he mm. he you know uh, in that whole conversation at the, at the at the gravesite, there's never a mention of a name. So even then, we don't know if it really is Damien Dark, and that's the writers really messing with us yeah. there. And um, Felicity has never liked Malcolm Merlin. She's never trusted him. Ooh, yeah. Yeah, and then I think I think Thea is going to be the person who Oliver's going to have to use to neutralize Damien Dark. And that maybe is why she's in the hospital, because remember the one time they brought it up in this episode where she had an opportunity to kill Damien and she didn't take it because Mm -hmm. he gets weakened when he touches her because she absorbs his like mysticism because of being dipped in the Lazarus pit. So. Well, it wouldn't be the first time Malcolm used Thea to do something. Exactly. So, that's not surprising at all. Um, Matt, do you want to add anything to this? Or? My head hurts. <laughs> <laughs> Can I say one more thing about just the episode in general? Because yeah, I haven't ahead. written about this either. But one of the reasons why I'm so obsessed with this episode is because it really highlighted the emotion, the relationship arc between Oliver and Felicity that they are fleshing out this season. And we're used to characters having individual arcs, but they're this time around, it's really them together and their relationship, the highs and the lows for better, for worse. And because the season premiere, you have Oliver and Felicity in a limo returning to star city. And she wants to come back because she misses it. And he's reluctant because he's afraid of the danger that's involved with what they do. Mid-season finale, newly engaged. Then their happiness obliterated by Damien Dark. And then the mid-season premiere, they're in a limo again. Flash forward. And they're, they're, I want to say they're still together. I know she's not wearing a wedding ring or an engagement ring, but it's called... Shiva, Shiva, Shiva. I'm going to say Shiva. You can correct me if I'm wrong. Shiva. A Jewish custom, so in which they don't wear jewelry when they're mourning death. So that could potentially be why. And but there's distance between them, and potentially I'm not sure when we are going to catch up with the flash forward. It could be season finale. It could be episode 20, which is normally when these. Um, turns in the plot takes or yeah when they when they twist the plot again to set up the final three episodes so mm-hmm. yeah um i hope you enjoyed our theory spiral there uh we've been we've been wanting to get that out since the episode came out so that was that, that was, was fun, a lot guys. of fun to do it's it's certainly something to chew on because we got a lot of we got a lot of episodes left but um, I think that we can start to slowly wind down our theories a little bit, um, but who knows? Maybe in the next episode something completely blows up, and and we got to create a whole another theory <laughs> about something. So, <clears throat> but um, oh yeah, and and like I said, you know, go to gww.com. You can find uh all the reviews there. Sarah's review does uh, Sarah's review of uh, 
Ah, Arrow and uh, even Agent Carter. Uh, and the hundred. That's right, Sarah, right? Um you shouldn't announce that yet. <laughs> oh, I should <shouldn't>. no. <laughs> Oops. My bad. Okay, just go to G yeah, yeah. for yeah. all the reviews. <laughs> all the reviews. Yeah. <laughs> Oops. Alright, so um let's so you know, we talked a little bit about time travel going back and forth in the future. Let's talk to let's talk about a show that actually is utilizing time travel every single episode at least that's the way it seems so far legends of tomorrow premiered on thursday and it was a lot of fun i loved it um you know it wasn't without its flaws it it, it had its mistakes um but it was oh man it was so much fun i was wondering how they were going to bring these characters together you know you you have uh everyone from the different you know arrow and flash shows all these different personalities you have the villains and captain cold and and uh and uh, uh, why am I forgetting his name? Heat Wave. Heat Wave. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, and and so you wonder how these how are these characters all going to um, how how are they going to come together? How are they going to work together? Uh, you know, luckily we've got to see them their characters fleshed out a little bit through their arcs on on Arrow and Flash. So it's 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 just, it's a lot of fun to watch them all come together now. Uh, TC, what did you think of? Of these, of of just the the intro, how Rip brought them together and 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 explained to them, here's the deal: you want in or not? I thought it was very cool. Um, I think Jeff John said it during the TV special that this is actually like the first mashup television show of like all these superheroes together. Um, I, I loved how they went to Star City and um, they showed like Oliver working with. Um, Ray Palmer and um, Rip Hunter just pretty much doing the men in black thing to him. He was like <laughs> just meeting up with each of them and like shining them and taking them over or transporting them all onto that roof. Um, I liked, you know, I liked each character's individual motives for wanting to join it. Like, for example, I, I think the Adam is easily becoming like one of my favorite characters and Brandon Routh, like he's just amazing in this show. And I even love him in, uh, I like you. I like you, TC. I like you even more. <laughs> yeah, but just like how he was telling Rip, and he was like, you know, when I died, like no one cared. Like the world went on, and you know, he was telling Oliver, like I need to do this, you know, for myself. Like I want to make a difference, and um, you know, having Rip tell each one of these characters, like, hey, like in the future, you guys are legends, and then they all get all hyped up. But then we come to find out, like during you know the episode that that they're really a collection, I'll quote it, a collection of nobodies. Like, and that really hits them all each, you know, hard at their death, you know, has no impact in, you know, in the time continuum or whatever. And so, you know, it, it really, they want to make a difference. Um, but I love how each one of them had their different, uh, motives. Like you have the, uh, Captain Cold and Heatwave, how they want to go back and steal like, um, you know, um, artifacts from the past that'll get make them rich. Uh, you had Heatwave, or not Heatwave, um, I guess one half of Heatwave who was actually roofied onto the ship. <laughs> um, but yeah, I thought I thought this show in general was so fun. Um, and I think they have tons of opportunities for these uh, characters to play off one another. Like, I love the scene in the bar when it, when they were in the 70s already. And you had White Canary dancing, and then she even asked like Captain Cole, "Hey, do you want to dance?" He's like, <laughs> "He's like, no, I'm good." And then um, you have you know Heat Wave with his line, oh, "I love the '70s," and they have a bar fight. So just just fun stuff, and the fact that they're going, 
you know, traveling back and forth in time, trying to find, you know, Vandal Savage, who kills a kid. He kills a little boy in the beginning of the episode. So it really sets him up as like, hey, this guy's a, a douchebag and he needs to die. So, yeah, I love the first episode. Yeah, we'll we'll definitely get to the kid thing in just a bit, but yeah, it was it was really really a lot of fun. I feel like uh, uh, DC hit another home run with with this show. Um, Sarah, what did you think of of them going back in time and and uh, just kind of walking around like you know they're still in the clothes they were wearing in twenty sixteen? And normally, when you watch a movie like Back to the Future, Doc Brown makes it very clear like. You can't do that. You got to wear what they wear. Do you think that's going to be a big deal, or do you think it's like they'll 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 figure it out as they go? Um, Pete, I think you gave that a lot more thought than I did. So how about you answer your own question? Because <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> no, I wasn't trying to be mean. She said mean. you do it. <laughs> she said <laughs> I, no, you. I, just, I don't know why you would have expected me to. I don't know. I'm sorry. You're wonderful. Ask me more questions. <laughs> Just not. That I'll get one. you back later in gift. Pete, I, I think gift they form. do eventually like end up dressing in '70s style because there yeah. was that in the trailer. Um, right. Firestorm. Right, right. He was like yeah. in a really brown leather jacket at one point. <laughs> so. so that's a good. Do point. they that's go back point. to the '70s again, or something? Because well, none of those scenes were in this episode. They. But they this might. is part um, one of two, right? Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. This is the oh, part okay. one or two. And remember, we did see Vandal Savage in the same time, so I would assume that they find something that leads them back to 1975. Right. Um. Yeah. Um. The way he brought everyone together was very, like TC said, very Men in Blackish. Um. I was certainly a little skeptical of of how he was doing that because it's like, at least when you're watching the show initially, you're like, okay, these people are coming together to form a team of lead of these what's to be in the future legends we learn that's not the case at all we learn that rip hunter is doing this uh for his own he's got his own agenda uh, matt what did you think of that storyline because that's something that wasn't expected at least for me um yeah i didn't think that um i thought like the the whole <laughs> opening scene with the boy getting shot i was like oh my god that's just to establish that <laughs> This dude's hella evil. Like, he's super bad, and there's, like, no redemption. At least we don't know yet, like, why he would want to take over the world. He's hella evil and creating wars and stuff. And I was like, oh, my God. And then so when they uh, – Rory – his name's not Rory. His name is Rip. Um, when uh, – shout-outs to Doctor Who fans. Uh, when he reveals to the, to the group that um, – that it was his son and it was his wife that was shown in the beginning. I was like, oh, this is the point when everybody wants to be heroes. Because I was like, like everyone's kind of just saying like, eh, it's something to do. It, it, the only aside from like um, the Adam where he's like, I need a sense of purpose. And then um, I guess you can say uh, White Canary. She's there because she has a second chance at being a hero or something like that. And then everyone's all like, you know, kind of. And then um, uh, Firestorm, uh, what's his name? Dr. what? What's his name again? Dr. Stein, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Dr. Stein is all like, you know, the the chance to like see these things I theorize. And then um, 
you know, like, people are just, like, kind of curious about the thing. They're, they're not really like, you know, let's go and save the world. They all have their own different motivations. Now it's like, okay, this is the one scene that brings them all together, or at least shifts their focus towards this is what's at stake. Um, and that's every, um, like, your own family, whether you have it or not, uh, everyone kind of at least craves some sort, some sort of family, um, some kind of familial bond. And uh, I really... Uh, like that was I, I like how Rip was just not another time guy on his on a quest to fix the timeline or to you know do like keep the timeline okay but still get rid of the guy you know what I'm saying like I like how he had his own personal like vendetta also I think it, it put more meat on the bones of uh, Rip Hunter yeah and I, what I also liked about that too was it was very emotional um, I I felt like the actor um... I, uh, Arthur Darville, he really sold that scene when he's explaining what happened, and then even the scene when he's holding his wife and child in his hands, he's screaming. That that was so well done, and you know, I I think back to um, our Star Wars talk, and Sarah said that John Boyega really made that character. Um, made uh, Finn. Oh, why Finn. Am I, Finn? He he really made that character. Um, it wouldn't have been good with anyone else. And I and, and I immediately thought of that when I saw that scene with Rip Hunter because it made me think, you know what? I'm glad they cast Arthur Darville because I don't think anyone else could have done that the way he did it. Um, and, and to me, it just added a, an emotional layer to the show that I did not expect to see. Um, I didn't – now, granted, I really – I didn't know what to expect from the show, but I it, it kind of hit me in a way that I didn't expect it to. Um, Sarah, what did you think of that whole scene, him explaining to everybody what his motivations really were and, and kind of telling them, Hey, so you guys actually aren't legends and everyone kind of forgets about you in the future. That was really when, uh, what drew me into the show finally, because it was, it was fun, a lot of action and something different within this genre that we haven't experienced yet, which was all good. But then again, it's a pilot episode. So you have all of this exposition, even though they've already sold you on the premise of the show with all of the advertising. So for viewers who, who have been watching that constantly you're like yeah i yeah i know this okay i i understand what's going on stop explaining it to me i get it <laughs> that being said that turn i didn't expect i had i i i think matt talked about how that opening scene he's just like oh that's really sad and then they connected and you're like oh Wow, I did not see that coming. That's interesting. And it adds dimension to a character who we really haven't seen up until this point and is brand new and which I think is needed in the introduction, especially because it feels like he's really the one driving this show and everybody else is along for the ride, so to speak. Yeah, I, I, I really think that he's going to be the glue to this show. And, and, that, and that whole scene, the way it played out, really emphasize that point and show that he can be the glue to the show and, and make it Hey Pete, <clears throat> why was Sarah in Tibet? Wasn't she supposed to be in Central City? Yeah, I was super what confused by that. Does anyone want to explain that? I, the only thing I can think there is that uh, they were just kind of making her look like she was drifting away, kind of being a drifter and kind of being on her own. That's the only thing I can think of. I don't know why she was just kind of in random Tibet. It didn't make much sense. Being a Henry Cavill in Man of Steel. 
<laughs> yeah, like totally, like totally, like you know, I'm gonna be on my own and find my own way, which is fine. Oh. But that's at least not the way we understood it beforehand. It's so. not fine because we spent so much time her, with her sister trying to get her sister back, only for her to leave and then go to Tibet. Exactly. Even though she said that she was going to Central City to be with her mom. So I, sorry, it was something that stuck out no, to no, me. No, no, no. And I'm like, what the? There were some holes. I mean. Why would she be in Tibet and then she's right back and training with Laurel? I, you know, it, it, I, I don't know. My biggest, you know, my only really big complaint was that Barry Allen was not in the episode in some capacity. You had all over there, you know, kind of talking to 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 uh, Ray about joining them. I was like, I don't, I don't know. Maybe it's because I love the 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 trailer that they showed that they were pitching originally for the show. So I was expecting him to be there. So I was, to me, that was he's a coming. He's coming. He'll be in the second part. Yeah. Yeah. I, I hope he. I know. Eventually. I know. I just like. No, no. There's there's I an know. actual crossover. Or like they they've already come out and said that both Oliver and Barry are going to be showing up later on in the season, not just to like be around, but for significance reasons, like story reasons. Well, yeah. yeah that and and Katie Lots. I I think actually Katie Lots said that to me under her breath when I met her at Heroes and Villains. And I was like, wait a second, was she supposed to tell me that? Because she did kind of mention it really quick in Mm -hmm. passing. What did she literally say, Pete? Help me out, dude. What did she literally say? (laughs) If Katie Lotz is whispering in your ear, you pay attention. (laughs) Yeah, right. I call ducktails on that, too. No, no, no. But it was when I took my picture with her. And and, and I was was asking her about the trailer. And and I just told her how much I loved it and, and was looking forward to watching, like, Barry and, 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 and Oliver come on the show and, and like do a crossover and she had and, and and quickly just kind of mentioned like yeah there's like a future Barry type thing going on later on and I was like what and I, I and like I said it was very quick and quiet so I was like I didn't know how to take it I'm like she just like messing with me like I got all excited about the trailer and now she's I don't know but that's what she that's the way in I, your head, I dude. <laughs> she totally is like I was like don't mess with me well, like that because I take this seriously well Barry does invent <laughs> Gideon, which Rip Hunter is using. Yeah, I thought yeah. that was cool. Uh-huh. I don't. I want to know how that goes down. So before the uh, this morning, I actually sent out a tweet. You know, if anybody wanted to ask questions or anything, and we had a couple questions about Legends of Tomorrow. Um, and TC, let me. I'll have you answer this one. Uh, this is actually from our friend Casey Walsh. Uh, he's part of the GWW. He asks, "Where are the Time Police when Barry was?" breaking timelines left and right so in terms of the time police the, the people that rip hunter was talking to at the beginning yeah the time um, masters yes the time, the masters. time masters um i don't think barry you know altered the, the realities too significantly so like i don't know that's the only thing i could think of uh where he didn't create too much change in the timeline um i know he had those episodes where he did you know erase time and like create a whole new timeline and then cisco is like hey you know and dr wells is like hey don't don't talk about the other timeline but um yeah i don't know why i don't know why they haven't addressed that i I, i'm I'm kind of with you i don't think it was a significant thing when he did time jump twice um i also think that it it, i I kind of go back to what wells told barry last season when he told him he, he did time jump and he said you know, you can try and fix things. You can, you, you, you have the ability to go back and, and alter things. 
but time always finds a way to write itself. And to me, that's that's kind of why I see the time the time masters not jumping in right away because things will write itself. It's like you said, TC. It has to be for me. It has to be something significant, very significant for it for them to jump in and say, okay, we need to we need to fix the timeline. Fix yeah, the even here with um, Shiara's, uh, I guess her son who ends up. Um, I guess it's already known oh, that man. he's going to die and. You know, they try to prevent it. They try to take him on board, and he ends up, you know, dying anyway. And Rip Hunter says something about that, how the timeline eventually, you know, will it will happen no matter what. Yeah, and actually, let's talk about that real quick. What did you guys, uh, uh, Sarah, what did you think of that story? I, 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 that's another thing I didn't see coming where the doctor um, – oh, I'm forgetting his name. The doctor that they meet up with in 1975 turns out to be – the son of uh, Hawkman and Hawkgirl when they were alive during that time period. Um, what did you think of that kind of reveal and, and how that affect on Hawkman and Hawkgirl? I actually liked Kendra Sandra's this episode. <laughs> um, during the crossover, I remember when we were talking about it, I was kind of <coughs> lukewarm on her portrayal but i really liked her acting this episode and she pulled it off well and that was a very emotional arc and it's good to have i mean the beats that we we generally talk about and discuss at length are the emotional ones i mean the action is always fun and badass but it's really the emotional ones that have to hit for you to invest in these characters so it was something and by including that in this episode, you also, Patricia Miller wrote the recap this week for GWW, and she's new to the Flaro, Legends of Flaro universe, so it's an interesting perspective to have on the show. And she brings up that they, they do something in the show where they, they talk a lot about fate and if you can change your own fate, but is it really destiny that's in control over everybody? And are those different things or are they the same thing? Because as soon as they rip talks about how the professor mysteriously dies in his office, I'm like, Oh, they do something that leads to it. So, so they set that up and then you watch it unfold. So you see the inevitability of him dying. So it's just a really interesting concept and um they're probably going to do that more and explore that a lot more as the season progresses so i like that they added that connection from their past because they are reincarnated spirits so they they've lived so many generations so we're probably going to see a lot of people that they've known in past lives come up and that's going to just add another layer to the whole time travel um premise now uh, i wanted to end this talk on one more question we had from our friend casey walsh and i'll give this one to you matt he asks, uh you have all the time and space to pick eight heroes and you choose all of them from the same era what do you have to say about that i mean they casey gotta make a television is... show you know i mean um <laughs> i'm just kidding i i don't know like I, like you said they're all like just time doesn't really care about them but <laughs> ouch that's what that's what he said i that's know what he, that's what he said. i know and i was like ouch too and i was like damn that's that's something to chew on even like uh dr stein was like well 
I think everyone kind of needs to take their time <laughs> about what we need to do <laughs> because <laughs> we all feel like shit right now. <laughs> they went super silent when he said that too. Yeah, I was like, oh snap, that's how do you how do you go back from that? Um, but to get them all from the same era, I mean, I guess it's a perfect storm of like powers plus you know like talent i guess i i don't really know damn well, it casey why not... why you gotta be like that dude yeah casey why <laughs> you gotta be so me. sarcastic but well you what's what's interesting too about the show and, and the showrunners have already come out and said that you know uh this could potentially be a revolving door of heroes this the, the crew we see out there right now might not be the same team we see next season. It could be a completely different team. It could be, it could be revolving. I mean, there was already, you know, uh, there was news that broke this week that they cast Jonah Hex, who is a character, a DC character in the old West. So, I mean, that's something they could play around with too. Um, uh, <clears throat> did you want to say something? Uh, It could be that they go back, you know, to a time period and they meet Jonah Hex. Um, I also think that there's going to be a lot of like internal conflicts within the team, um, you know, particularly uh, Heatwave and Captain Cold. Like I think um, that there there's going to be a moment where, you know, they are going to selfishly be going for their own stuff, and then the rest of the team is going to come a time where Captain Cold or Heatwave are going to have to make the sacrifice play, and it's it's going to be beautiful when one of them actually sacrifices their lives for the entire team. Um, but yeah, I think they're going to play with that a lot in terms of, you know, dynamics between the team and the team not getting along. There's tons of stuff they can do with that, but yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. It's, it's going to be a lot of fun. Like we said, this was just part one. So part two will be back, um, for legends of tomorrow next, next, uh, next Thursday night. So it'll be interesting to see how they wrap up, uh, the first, the second part of this, uh, huge pilot, which, was really really good um it definitely has a lot of arrow and flash to it with obviously with characters from the show but just in the same tone um it's 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 very very good very exciting and i'm excited to see where it goes it's gonna be a lot of fun especially when we get the eventual crossover with uh flash and arrow that'll be a lot of fun so um that'll do it for the tv talk but real quickly we'll talk a little bit about the suicide squad trailer which debuted during the whole dc week on cw um TC, I'll start with you. What did you think of of the trailer, the use of music in it, um, and 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 how it, uh, what it, the impact it had on you? Um, to be honest, when I first watched it, I just didn't know what to think, and that's because you know I wasn't really a huge fan, or actually, not, I'm not even gonna say I wasn't a huge fan. I just didn't know of the song Bohemian Rhapsody. What? Yeah, like Queen is like off my radar completely. So what? Okay. when I first saw the trailer, I'm glad, I'm glad you discover them now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, I love it now. But when I first saw the trailer, I was just I felt it was like chaotic. I had to like sit down. I was like, OK, let me watch it one more time. And then I just the second time, like I loved it. I love how this feels like a movie where it's not just about Joker, it's not just about Harley. Like they give each character ample amount of time to like show us how cool they are. Um, and like you said, the the song was going uh, along with the trailer perfectly in terms of like the bullet shooting and the tempo of the song because that te- that song is all over the place like in terms of the riffs and everything like it starts out one way and it, and it ends up you know changing but um i think if there were like trailer awards or oscars for trailers i think that that should like win an oscar in terms of trailers 
Yeah, it was it was an awesome trailer. Uh, Sarah, what did you think of the Suicide Side Squad? Ah, Suicide. I can't talk English is hard. Suicide Squad trailer. It was so good. Like I've watched it multiple times now, partly because of the song, and like right now there's getting to be, or the public is starting to get a bit annoyed about how much we see in trailers. And especially for the big event movies, which we're already going to see and you show us and we're still going to see it. But it kind of sucks because we're like piecing together the plot points while we're watching the movie. That being said, this trailer actually probably gave a lot of way, but you don't it's all taken out of context and matched up to Bohemian Rhapsody. So they cheated. But Bohemian Rhapsody perfectly (laughs) (laughs) that it's just like such a great music video that you played over and over again, not really knowing exactly what's going on. But it's just it's one of the best edited together trailers I've ever seen. Yeah, it it, the music, like you, we've been saying, it, it just went perfectly with everything they did. It, it really was edited perfectly. Um, it just got you in the mood. It's one of those. <clears throat> it's one of those trailers that you'll see before a movie, and it's going to get you jacked. It got you in the um, mood, really. <laughs> <laughs> That's one way to put it. <clears throat> That's how you put it? <clears throat> yeah, He's that is true. He's pulling a felicity right now. Uh, <laughs> totally am. <laughs> But I'm not as quick witted to make to fix that. Um, but you know, it's 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 such a good trailer. I, it's funny. I found myself watching the trailer over and over and over and over again, and then listening to the actual song, and then just kind of seeing it in my head as it's as the song's going, even though it's completely different than the trailer because of the way it's edited. But it still just comes together when I listen to the song because I'm just I'm just all I see is the trailer when I hear that song now. Um, but yeah, I, I loved the trailer. I thought it was really good. I think it was cool to get a little bit more of a look at, at Jared Leto as the Joker. Um, I'm really looking forward to that. Um, I'm actually excited to see Captain Boomerang after seeing the trailer shots because, you know, you got Deadshot, you got Harley, but Boomerang seems like a freaking nutcase and I loved it. Like every scene that he was in yeah, I'm with you. was hilarious. I'm with you on that, Pete. Boomerang looked yeah. awesome. Dude, when he jumps out of the the little bag that they brought him in, he just starts knocking dudes out. I was like, oh my god, this is gonna be hilarious. This is gonna be so funny. So I'm like, I'm I'm like super stoked for Suicide Squad. I think it's gonna be awesome. Um, we're certainly in for a treat uh, come August. Um, all right, so that is that's not gonna do. We have one more thing left. Um, we didn't, you know, we didn't record last week, and a lot of things happened last week, but a lot of unfortunate deaths. Uh, hit us last week um, and one in particular uh, we had Alan Rickman pass last week and, and we're all we've all watched movies that he's been in um, I'm a huge fan of Alan Rickman loved every all the characters he's given us um, so this week classic movie TV picks is going to be uh, Alan Rickman edition so um, TC why don't you kick things off <laughs> really me first you don't have to if you don't want to. I, I'll actually have Sarah go. You know what? For, for our podcast this week, we're actually doing Galaxy Quest. So, um, oh, and I have. Oh, so I, good. I, but go ahead. <laughs> I saw this movie a long time ago, and I'm excited to you know get a refresher on it. But you know, in terms of my favorite movies with Alan Rickman, I wasn't a big fan of Harry Potter, so I'm gonna go with Galaxy Quest. I think he's hilarious in it, from what I remember. But um, yeah, that would be my pick. 
Well, no, yeah, no, no. He was totally funny in that because it's it's kind of a it's almost like a parody of Star Trek. If you've never seen Galaxy Quest, it it's 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 kind of encompasses what Star Trek was, um, and and how it moved, you know, going into the future, how people still really enjoyed it, and it was very much like that. And he was like his character was like the Spock on that show. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, he was really funny in that movie. Uh, Sarah, Love Actually. Yeah, that is just. Aww. I mean, that's one I of my favorites. Oh. Oh yeah, God. you do because the cast is so large. But he is in that movie, plays a really significant part. One of my, one of my, I want to say favorite, but one of the better of the storylines that exist in that movie. But that's just one of my favorite movies of all time. So, but I'm really sad to hear that he's not with us anymore, and it's disappointing to know that he's not going to be in any, any more movies. But yeah. Yes. Raise your wands, people. <laughs> uh, Matt. Uh, don't panic. Uh, my pick is The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Um, <laughs> shout outs to the fans who got that first joke, the dope pan joke. Anyway, um, I, I really enjoyed the, um, the the novel zone. This is my first, like, we had it randomly in our, I'm not going to go on this really long story but i am uh we had this like random hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy book in the eighth grade and i'm like looking back that's not something that an eighth grader can really like chew over and really understand but it was one of my first glimpses to like comedy so then especially with the little robot character that he plays um called uh, marvin and when i heard there was a film adaptation of it i was so excited and uh when i watched it i all i could stare at is just like marvin the whole time like uh and i i had it was nice uh to hear that it was alan rickman doing the voice of it and it was so spot on and it's funny because everyone's like oh no severus snape died no um die hard go on forever and then there's a picture of the little robot that he voiced and then it's like oh, yeah everyone forgot about me but it's fine i expected it and i'm like oh that's so sad and it, it was written in the character so um yeah, if you guys have never watched or read Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, definitely do. It's like one of the f- like funniest um, like movies you'll ever watch or books you'll ever read. So that's my pick. Thank you very much for that, Matt. Um, my pick, <clears throat> since TC stole mine, uh, <laughs> I'm going to take – no, you're good, dude. Um, I, I, I got to go with Die Hard. Um, how can I not pay homage to uh, Hans Gruber here because – Oh, one of his very early roles, um, Alan Rickman was just amazing as that bad guy in, in, in probably one of the best Christmas movies ever made. Yes, it is a Christmas movie. Um, but yeah, Hans Gruber is a total gangster in that movie, and he's just a badass. And um, fortunately, he's just the villain in that movie. But uh, Alan Rickman, was just he just kills it in that, as that character. And, and, and you know, when, when people talk about old action movies, and, and, you know, whether they be 80s, 90s, or now... Um, you know, you look at not just the hero, but the villain who drove the hero. And, and, and Alan Rickman was amazing as Hans Gruber, who pushed John McClane and, and made that movie even better than what it was. So Die Hard is my pick for this week. So with that said, that is going to do it for our show this week. We hope you enjoyed it. We tried to break down as much as we possibly could, and we'll be doing that again next week. Uh, 
TC, thank you for coming on, man. We we really were. Uh, I'm really happy you could come on, and it was a blast talking with you again. Thanks, man. And uh, yeah, thanks for having me on. I know I didn't <laughs> have much to say about Agent Carter, but well, from what you oh, no, don't from worry, what man. you guys were talking about, it's getting me actually interested in in watching it. Like first, I think to be honest, I only watched like four episodes into the first season. I love Haley Atwell. I think oh, she's an amazing actress. But the way you guys, you know, were speaking about it is making me want to go watch it all. So yeah, oh, thank 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 you guys for having me on the show. Yeah, and um, you know, like I said, he has Epic Comic Cast with his sister Karina. Um, let them know where they can find you, at, man. You you blow up Instagram, you blow up Twitter. Let them know where they can go find you blowing things up at. Um, you can follow us on Twitter. The uh, mention is just at Epic Comic Cast, and then our website has everything. It's just uh, epiccomiccast dot com. Awesome, awesome. Um, Sarah, you can find me on Twitter and Tumblr at sj belmont s j b e l m o n t. Awesome. Uh, Matt? Uh, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter putting up some dumb gifs trying to beat Sarah uh, in her gif kung fu The war madness. has begun. The war has begun. <laughs> Stay tuned to the after show, which is on your Twitter timeline. <laughs> at I'm Sals. I-M-S-A-L-Z-Y. Yeah, and just in case you didn't know, and you should know, uh, every Friday night we record, right? So in that 7 o'clock Pacific Standard Time, so we finish usually around close to nine o'clock, and that's when the post show starts in the form of gif, gifs, and they go crazy. And it's Sarah who leads the charge. <laughs> so if you want to find out what's going on, follow Sarah's Twitter, follow my, follow Cena Nerd's Twitter, follow Matt's Twitter because they blow it up and it's quite hilarious. You, you don't want to miss it. It's it's it is the it is the post show to end all post shows. I'll just put it that way. <laughs> Um, all right, so you can find me at Pacing Pete on Twitter. You can find us at Scene and Nerd. Uh, go to iTunes, give us a, a rating, a subscribe. Tell us what you like. Tell us if you want us to cover something that you're watching. We'll give it a we'll give it a look and we'll, we'll let you know what we think. All right, so till next week, you have a DVR and streaming abilities. Use them. Yeah, I keep forgetting your password, Pete. What is it? I mean, uh, Facebook. What's up? <laughs> <laughs>